Formula One taking the weekend off before they head to Monaco. It is time for our Fast Lap, our news and notes edition of the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for joining us. So we got a lot to get to. We're going to talk about some bendy wings. We're going to talk about team orders. We're going to talk about Lewis Hamilton in general. And of course, we've got our top five, bottom five after four rounds of the World Championship. And again, if you like what we do, please subscribe to the channel. Leave us a five-star review. We certainly would appreciate that as we continue to try to grow this channel. All right, before we get to the news and notes edition here in the podcast, we want to get you caught up with what's going on after four races of the championship. So Lewis Hamilton leading Max Verstappen by 14 points now with three wins on the season out of the four races, including last week at Barcelona. Valtteri Bottas, the Mercedes teammate, 30 has 47 points, and it's followed by Lando Norris, who is six back at 41. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc at 40, a point behind Lando Norris in the standings. Sergio Perez, sixth with 32. Daniel Ricciardo, currently seventh, 24 points on the season. Carlos Sainz, his first season in Ferrari, currently eighth. He has 20. Alpine's Estepan Ocon is ninth. He has 10 points. Pierre Gasly rounding out the top 10. He has eight. Lance Stroll, Fernando Alonso both have five points outside of the top 10. Yuki Tsunoda with two and everybody else on the grid has yet to register a point so far in the championship. Looking at the constructors, Mercedes in the lead, 141. Red Bull second at 112. The battle really is for third. McLaren, 65, followed closely by Ferrari. They have 60. Alpine, they're starting to come around a bit. They've got 15. I know it's off the pace right now, but, you know, good, impressive run for Alpine in the last couple of races. AlphaTauri is sixth. They have 10. Aston Martin is seventh. They have five points. Alfa Romeo, Williams, and Haas have all yet to earn a point. So now it is off to Monaco next weekend, followed by Baku and then Turkey on your F1 calendar. All right, so what have we learned after four races of the season, right? Lewis Hamilton is off to one of his best starts of his career. He has three wins in four races, and in three different ways, too. I mean, when you look at the way he's won races so far this season, he holds off Max Verstappen at Bahrain by a seventh of a tenth. Uh, he makes two overtakes at Portugal to win that race. He uses a brilliant strategy of two stops, tracking down Verstappen at Barcelona, then you, you know, throw in the fact that how he earned P2 at Imola going off the track into the gravel, backing it out onto the racetrack, benefiting from the red flag, climbing his way through the field to get the P2. You're seeing him respond to the fight with Red Bull. This is a racer's edge that he's got. You can hear him every single weekend talking about how much he loves it. He loves that Red Bull is close because every accomplishment that he has, he feel like, feels like he's overcoming something. He feels like he's really going after a challenge to his title. And again, if you're a competitor in any sport, that's kind of what you're looking for. Now, I do worry again, and I've been repeating this for over the last couple of podcasts, I do worry that he's starting to separate himself from Verstappen in this season-long battle. There's only so much we can do in terms of fans, media, journalists, and whatnot in describing this fight between Red Bull and Mercedes and Verstappen and Hamilton, because if it gets to a point where that distance is separated, we don't really have a battle. What we have is Max trying to get back into the fight. That's not what we want. We wanted uh, a battle, a, a mano a mano clash between these two drivers. Right now, after four races, we're getting it in a way, but we're not really getting it in the results. The Spanish Grand Prix was obviously a great result for Hamilton, great strategy, great execution, and he's obviously enjoying this. I mean, he loves the fight, he loves the battle, he loves the accomplishment of winning against Red Bull's best stuff, but will we enjoy the season-long battle? That remains to be seen, because we just might get to a point where he separates himself so much that we, we're losing what we thought we were going to get at the beginning. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. 
All right, so let's get to some news and notes. Lewis Hamilton calling out Red Bull's bendy wings in Spain, saying that it helps boost their straight line speed. They're gaining at least three-tenths of a second from this wing. He made the comments on Saturday before the Spanish Grand Prix at Barcelona. Red Bull responded by pointing out that they've used a higher downforce wing during practice on Friday, but Saturday they switched to the similar wing configuration that they used during races this season. Now, Christian Horner also pointed this out. I thought this was interesting that Lewis is seems to be making these comments because Toto Wolf is also making these comments. Horner said that him and Wolf have had discussions about this. So he, you know, he calls out Hamilton like, hey, look, you're, you know, the Mercedes boss is making these comments. Now you're making these comments. I don't even know if this is even coming from you, Lewis. It seems to be coming from the Mercedes team and you are the mouthpiece for it rather than you on your own. But Horner also pointed out to the media that the FIA is very happy with the car and that is passed all the tests and those tests are pretty stringent and again he was also surprised that Hamilton even brought this up because he said him and Total Wolf have been talking about it now the FIA has notified teams and it did so earlier this week that it is concerned about the wings that they are flexing at speed but they still do pass tests so to counter this they are reminding teams that they can introduce new tests and they will do so to determine the flexibility of the wings this is to limit teams trying to get away with designs that are pushing the boundaries. Now, this is this goes on in all levels of motorsports. Formula One certainly no exception, if not on top of the pyramid when it comes to this kind of thing that engineers and teams do. But the new tests will begin in France on June 27th. So Monaco, Baku, Turkey, the teams will be allowed to use their current designs and then the crack. We'll see exactly what they find from Red Bull with the new tests. But nevertheless, I think it's interesting that Lewis Hamilton is making these comments and I kind of agree with Christian Horner on this. Sometimes you see this where you go, where is that coming from? And then you realize, yeah, it's coming from the top down, right? Where they they kind of want Lewis Hamilton to be a different voice on this to the to the public rather than Toto Wolf being a voice uh, to the public. So Horner's concern, if you will, and I put that in quotes, is justified uh, with Hamilton's remarks. But Hamilton's free to certainly say what he wants. I mean, he's certainly free to, to bring up concerns on his own. But Horner, I think, is on to something to think that this is probably coming on from the top down. All right. One of the other storylines from the Spanish Grand Prix was Valtteri Bottas and have the fact that he did not make it easy for Lewis Hamilton to pass him when Hamilton made that second pit stop and was tracking down Max Verstappen and basically looking like he was defying team orders. Now, Andrew Chauvelin of Mercedes explained that Bottas was running his own race, something Bottas even said after the Spanish Grand Prix and was basically using his own strategy to try to secure P3 from Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. Now, Chauvelin did explain that Hamilton could have simply passed Botas employing DRS if he was in range, but he wasn't in range. He was just a little outside the one second window. So now if you're asking Botas after the DRS zone to allow Hamilton to pass because Hamilton was a second back, that means Botas would have given up two seconds on the track to Leclerc. Right, you know, well, he was riding in P3. So this made Hamilton need a proper overtake when he was tracking down Max Verstappen. Now, Bottas admitted that he could have let Hamilton pass earlier, but again, he was on his own race strategy. He was trying to get Leclerc out of the pit window so he could stop for fresh tires. And he also, again, added, and this is sort of a racer's creed, he added that the, he's not here to let people by, he is here to race. That's what they're there for. So he kind of reminded that his job is to race, 
But again, think about this for a second. In a lot of other racing series, there are teammates. And maybe outside of utilizing the draft at a NASCAR event at Talladega or Daytona, right? You don't see the sort of teamwork that is sometimes necessary in Formula One to secure P1s or P2s or to get podium finishes. Valtteri Bottas trying to secure P3 for himself and his car was not more important than Hamilton trying to get P1 for Mercedes. And that's where I may differ with Valtteri Bottas in this assessment. Listen, I understand he's trying to do what's best for him. Look, he's the president of Valtteri Bottas Incorporated, right? I mean, in the end, if he were to be dismissed by Mercedes, he's trying to collect all the accomplishments that he can. Now, Bottas was passed by Leclerc early in the race. Now, he pulled off the undercut with his first pit stop, later made a second pit stop due to tire wear, and his times with Leclerc, because his times with Leclerc were getting pretty close. Now, he could not go for the fastest lap in the race because they did not bring him in at the right time. There was still too much fuel in the tank. But I do, again, I find this interesting because it seems like more spin now that Mercedes didn't have anything to worry about. They really don't have to answer for this. Hamilton won the race and did so pretty comfortably. It didn't go down to the last lap like many had predicted it did you know Hamilton was able to pass Verstappen with plenty of laps remaining in the race so this did not become a factor so Wolf said after the race he would be discussing with Botas about this incident but had it cost Hamilton the race and remember at the time they were calculating that it would come down to the final few laps of the race and so every second counts so if this did cost Hamilton the race if Verstappen was able to hold off Hamilton because the calculations were correct this becomes a gigantic issue but because Hamilton won and ra- and won rather comfortably again passing Verstappen with plenty of laps remaining in the race this becomes a non-issue this doesn't really become a story so I think this is sort of more spin for Mercedes but I am sure that Valtteri Bottas heard from Total Wolf exactly what team orders are going to be down the line and in the future and I'm sure Wolf wasn't happy this idea that that Valtteri was running his own race works afterwards it works after that you look at the results and go yep we got a P1 and a P3 out of this deal so it worked in both accounts Hamilton's strategy worked Botas strategy worked so there's nothing to see here but there is something to see here Right. The fact of the matter is Hamilton did have to make a proper overtake on his teammate while running for P1 and and running for P3 and running your own strategy in P3. That is not what Total Wolf should be caring about. He should be concerned on how the entire team is geared towards getting one of those cars, mostly Hamilton, on top of the podium and Hamilton, to his credit, he said he was unaware that Botas was on any team orders. All right, now it's time for top five, bottom five after four rounds. It's one of my favorite things to do on the podcast. Now, I'm going to mix it up a little bit because it is easy to just sort of look at the standings and sort of pick the bottom five in the standings and then take the top five in the standings. But I don't like to do this. I know a lot of other writers who sort of do their rankings sort of say, look, I, I can't fault drivers for being in certain teams. Um, so, But I want to know, are they making the most out of those teams? So we're going to try to kind of do that a little bit with top five, bottom five going into the future um, exp- starting this week. But my Bottom five starts with a guy who is on the bottom, and that's Nikita Mazepin, because it was another Grand Prix, and it was another, I can't believe Mazepin did dot, 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 dot. This time, we got to hear Total Wolf on the radio to Michael Massey about blue flags. Blue flags continuing to be a problem for Mazepin. If you remember Portugal and Sergio Perez, who was the race leader at the time, it's starting to show some frustration. I, I, 
Listen, I don't feel sorry for Mazepin, but at the same time, he is clearly, clearly over his head in driving in Formula One. Uh, it seems like every week there's a problem. No, I shouldn't say it seems like there is a problem every single week so far for Nikita Mazepin. So he is 20th and the bottom of the bottom five. Uh, number nine, Nicholas Latifi. A uh, 16th isn't a terrible result for, for Williams. But again, he hasn't really shown that he's getting closer with George Russell. Now, Russell is a special talent. I get that. But... Latifi doesn't have to beat Russell. He doesn't have to run equal to Russell. He just has to be close, and he doesn't seem to be close. Uh, he was passed by Schumacher at Portugal. He had a crash at Imola in the wet uh, early in the race, even though it wasn't really his fault. But Nicholas Latifi at 19 in the bottom five. Number 18, and if you've been listening to these podcasts since we started, this is a little disappointing for me, and that's Yuki Sonoda. This wasn't a good weekend for Yuki. He was out first of the race with mechanical issues, but he had such a great debut at Bahrain. He has gone backwards. I know he's a rookie, so maybe this is a great learning opportunity. He's very young. So I never fault these guys when they're in these situations because it doesn't matter what career path you're on. You should be making mistakes early. You should be learning as you go early in your career. I know in Formula One, the learning curve is very, very short and the patience is very short, but he's got tremendous talent. He really is quick. When he knuckles down and drives the car, I think he's got a lack of patience. He think I think he needs to refocus. He just needs to have a good weekend. I think he just needs to go out there and run a race and finish and just be Yuki Tsunoda instead of trying too hard. And then the comments that he made about the car, it doesn't serve him any good. It doesn't serve the team any good. Nobody really wants to hear it. And again, I think he it was his passion and his sort of disappointment that was shining through. He'll learn those kind of lessons as he grows. But you know what? It's been disappointing. So Yuki Tsunoda for me is number 18. Number 17 is Mick Schumacher. He doesn't have the car, so exactly what are we looking for from Schumacher? Well, it's growth. I talked about this with Sonoda. When you're a rookie, it's growth. Are you progressing? Are you showing signs that you deserve to be in Formula One, that you deserve to be kind of rising the ranks of Formula One? And so far, Mick Schumacher is showing it. Again, he's not in a very good car. He's in the back of the field car in Haas. But he's way ahead of Mazepin, his teammate. Uh, he had his car running at, at Spain with George Russell. He had a 17th finish falling back a bit. But it seems to me it, that there's more and more to like every week with Schumacher. And that's a good thing. That's what you're looking for. Uh, number 16, and this would be the top of the bottom five list, and that's Sebastian Vettel. I keep doing this every time we do top five, bottom five. I feel bad because Vettel's a four-time champion. He's a likable guy, and I like the fact that he went to a team like Racing Point, now Aston Martin, but there's another non-points finish for the four-time champion, and he deserves to be in this bottom five. This has been disappointing. I know Aston Martin is having some trouble with the car this season. I get that. And I guess they're looking forward to 2022. They've had some upgrades, but it hasn't been working so far for the team. And especially for Vettel, he has yet to earn a point this season in that car. I'm sorry. I don't care what issues with the car they may be having. He should be running at least one of these races, finishing in the top 10, but he's not. 
All right, top five. And sort of the same criteria as well. It is sort of easy to just take the top five in the standings. But I do want to point out who's really climbing up, who's progressing. And that's why number five is Daniel Ricciardo for me. A sixth-place finish at Barcelona, a run to the top ten after a poor qualifying at Portugal. He is starting to get more and more comfortable in the McLaren. And that bodes well for the team. When they're going for the P3 and the constructors, that bodes well. Because number four on my top five list is Lando Norris, even though it wasn't a good race for Norris at Barcelona. Finished eighth, but the reason why that was disappointing is because Norris has been in the top five in the previous three races. His teammate was faster in qualifying in Barcelona, so overall it wasn't a very good weekend for Lando Norris. But look, he is holding his own. That's what you want from this youngster. He has shown so much brilliance this year. It's not going to be falling off the pedestal for me anytime soon. He is fourth in the top five. But number three to me is the guy that's breathing down his neck in the driver's standings for the fourth place spot, and that's Charles Leclerc. There's so much attention on Ferrari this season, and rightfully so. After a bad 2020, everyone wants to know what the Scuderia is going to be doing in 2021. Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, and Leclerc has been the bright spot of this team. He has shined. It was a great weekend for him in Spain. P4 at the start, P4 at the finish. He had a great overtake of Valtteri Bottas on lap one. He's got Ferrari feeling pretty good about their season so far. You're seeing it a lot. These comments that Ferrari is making about the team and about their finishes and about the race overall. And a lot of it has to do with the run of Charles Leclerc. He is third. Number two, Max Verstappen. His words, not mine. He was a sitting duck. It's the best way to put it for Hamilton at Spain on those tires. His only hope was that maybe Hamilton was not going to have enough laps at the end, but that was not even close to the case. Hamilton passed him again with plenty of laps remaining. Um, He did use the grip at the grid to jump out to the lead. That was another Verstappen brilliance that we saw at Imola when he took it right from P3, right to the lead, right at the Tamborello chicane. So Verstappen again continuing to show why he's the best of the rest. And this was a just a great masterclass chess move by Mercedes to cost him the victory at Spain. Number one, of course, Lewis Hamilton. And as I said this earlier in the podcast, what has been making this season great with Hamilton is the fact that he is finding different ways to win races. He is up to the challenge, whatever Red Bull brings him. Red Bull had a faster car at Bahrain. But Hamilton got that lead, held off for Stappen for the win. Imola, he goes into the gravel. A lot of drivers would have called it a day. He had the sense of mind to get out of the gravel, to get back on the race track. Yes, he did benefit from a red flag, no doubt about it. But once he was able to get back out there, he ran himself through the field to get to P2 to keep it tight with Verstappen, who had a dominating win. Portugal, same kind of thing. Two overtakes at Portugal and was able to get the victory there in a comfortable fashion, albeit you you had Verstappen behind him going for a fast to slap. And then in this race, it was Mercedes trusting that Hamilton would catch Verstappen, that in the end, the fresh tires and the distance between him to Max was going to be reduced every single lap by, and and again, he needed like a second a lap to do that. And you know that Lewis Hamilton can do that. And he did. And not only did he do it by every calculation, it was going to be close and it wasn't close. 
you can see it the way he is enjoying this. Every single interview that he does, he's talking about how much he's really loving the fact that Red Bull is throwing things at him and he's able to respond. Again, racers like to race. He is getting that in terms of the way Max Verstappen and Red Bull are going to these tracks and giving everything they have and making it a little difficult for Mercedes to take the checkered flag. So that's what we're getting so far this season. Hamilton on top of the driver's standings in my top five, bottom five. Monica May 23rd. It is round number five. It is one of my favorite venues because the history of the race and also the uniqueness of the street circuit. I know there's a lot of people that think it's a little outdated. I get it. Don't get me wrong, but Come on, Monaco is one of the premier races in the world. Of all of the driving series, of all of the races, Monaco is one of the premier races on the planet. Indy 500, 24 Hours of Le Mans, Daytona 500, just every single series has that one race, that one place that is unique, that is special. It's a little Super Bowl-like. That's Monaco for Formula One, at least for me. And we will have a preview of that race coming up that next week. All right, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Tony D radio love to hear your thoughts on the formula one season so far maybe you agreed with us maybe you definitely disagreed with us we certainly want to hear from you also again subscribe to the channel leave a five-star review if you like what we're doing we're certainly trying to grow this i'm an american sports talk show host i get to talk nfl nba nhl college sports but i don't get to talk about formula one and this is my venue to do so because i'm extremely passionate about formula one so i'm glad you're taking the time to listen to this podcast monaco grand prix preview coming up next week and we'll obviously have a review of the race I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for listening. This is the Overtake F1 podcast.